Um, I got lots to say and little time to do it. No. Um, all right, so last week, Josh started um, All Hands on Deck, right? That's what we dove into and, and even referenced it today in announcements. We really want to, to really thrive as a church that does this together and not just a few of us that do it. So he talked about um, how we worship up. That's pretty much my life surrendered in response to the Lord. Not just singing, but, but I'm, I'm lifting up my whole life. I'm worshiping up. And then serving in, which was the body, living out family and community together, and then um, reaching out. So reaching out to the community around us. And um, I want to focus on the middle part this week. So this week we're going to talk a lot about um, what it means to be the family of God what it means to, to serve one another and do life together in a way that people um, really see love on display, that, that our interactions are marked by something that people go, wow, what, like that's, that's different. There's something deep in that. Um, so I have to give credit where credit is due. I've been impacted a lot by um, Dietrich Bonifer. I don't know if I've got that exactly right. His book called Life Together was a really awesome. Um, it's got some, some really good stuff in that if you want to reference it. And then Banning Lebscher um, from Jesus Culture spoke a message called Church is a Family, Not a Business. And that really challenged me as well. So I just want to credit them with that because I pulled some content um, from them in referencing the, this, this message, I guess. But first off, so we're talking about the family of God, right? Who we are, what we're a part of. And, and as we come together, even as we were, were worshiping, I think it's such a, oh, it's such an incredible reminder that we're, we're actually Christ's glorious family. Like, we're the family of God himself, the, the creator of the universe. And as you worship, your eyes get opened a little bit more to that of like, wow. We're in the midst of something bigger than ourselves, right? Jesus didn't actually just die for the individual. While, while he gave his life for me, he gave his life for his bride, for his family, right? He didn't die for a, even a nonprofit, right? Or, or a bunch of employees, <laughs> right? He, he wasn't like, I have a great idea, let's make a business model, right? He died for a family. Um, and, and in that, he, he then sent us out to place the lonely in family, to, to draw people in and say, look, you've come home. You've come home, and we're doing this together. Um, and I just never wanna lose the wonder of the honor of getting to do that. Sometimes it, we, we do it so regularly, and it's pretty normal in America to go to church or be a part of a church, and you can lose the, the wonder of, I am part of the glorious family of God, right? Like, I'm part of something inconceivable. <laughs> how can this be? In uh, Psalms 133 verse one it says, how very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. See, we're all meant to be placed into safety, into deep connection, into conversation with people, growth, stretching, serving, right? Dinners together, never feeling like I have to prove myself. This is the kind of things that we're placed into um, in the family of God, but there's just one catch or one problem with this concept. There's probably more than one, but I'm gonna pick on one today. And that is, I think in our culture of like business and productivity and entertainment, and also this ever increasing level of expectation of quick consumer satisfaction. We really live in a country where we believe 
we should get what we need fairly swiftly. That's good customer service, right? It is this. And, and, and as, as business owners, right, we want to do that well. But the, the problem is a lot of times that kind of thinking can, can move into showing up to church. And we have a little bit of an idealistic expectation of what it's going to look like and what it's going to do for us. Even our terminology creates a tension for us because we, Josh talked about this last week. We talk about going to church, right? Like, hey, you going to church this week? You going to church this morning? You going to church Wednesday night, right? Or, and being the church. And because of how our culture works, they're both true, right? If someone asks you if you're going to church, you're not going to be like, I don't go to church. I am the church, right? You're going to be like, yeah, I'm going to church on Sunday. Because that's how, right? That's how we talk about it, <laughs> right? But, but then there's also this, this other tension of we are the church who happen to gather together. And, and we can't slip into the other. Sometimes we have an incredible experience with the Lord, right? And it's like, awesome and you're like I'm saved and then you meet a Christian and they're like really nice to you and you're like this is the best and then because of these other things going on this 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 idealism that can happen um, we can begin to expect church is supposed to be all the good without any of the growing pains but family isn't family without growing pains it's just right it doesn't it doesn't really work right so um, so we want to expand that today. We want to expand our view maybe of, of how that works because everyone wants to be part of real community. No one sets out and goes, yeah, I really want to go to a country club on Sundays where we fake it. That's, that's what I really want. That's my goal, right? No one wants to do that. That's not on anyone's radar, right? But because we're fighting against a culture that, that just lends towards so many of these quick fix, keep me entertained, do it all for me kind of mindsets, it's so easy to show up and slip into, I just want service to be amazing, give me a bit of a reset, and then I'm gonna slide back out. And we, we don't even know it. Like we don't, we're not even in, intending to like get there. Um, so, so church life actually really is just pretty normal, right? It's, it's stretching, and I think sometimes the beauty of it can be easily missed when we, when we compare this being the church who gather versus going to church. This part is sometimes a little like not what I expected, <laughs> right? It's not glamorous. We're probably maybe not going to make a movie about it because it's just doing life together. So I want to share a story, actually, a pretty vulnerable one for me um, that just I feel like exemplifies this so much. I was in college, and um, you probably wouldn't guess it, but I was really involved, and I greeted everybody, and I was like, hey, I'm so glad you're here, <laughs> right, and in, in youth, and whatever. I was going to Bible school here, and I'm sure, like, I looked like the life of the party with a lot of friends on, on one hand, but there was this group of friends that I wanted to be a part of really bad, and I didn't feel like I was really a part of it. Like I, um, I just didn't feel like I clicked or was, was in their group or invited to a lot of things that they did. So I, I was constantly looking at these people and honestly like I was pretty relationally miserable even though like I faked it really well. And you probably thought like I was trucking. 
I was Heather Thomas, you know. I own the place. No, I don't know. Like, I ran around and did a lot here. <laughs> so, so you probably thought, like, oh, she's so plugged in and so connected and all these things. But I just kept looking at these people and longing to be a part of that. And one day the Lord stopped me in my tracks, and he said to me, Heather, when are you going to stop looking at what you don't have and open up to the friends that are standing right in front of you? When are you going to stop elevating what you think others have and scorning the very people I've given you? And I was so deeply convicted. I was so deeply challenged because I realized that I had this really great group of friends standing right in front of me that were consistently offering camaraderie and friendship and deep conversation and the things that I was longing for, but I literally couldn't even see them because all I could see is what I thought I wanted, right? All I could see is, is what I thought I was missing out on and it blinded me to what I wasn't missing out on, right? To what was happening right in the midst of, of what I was doing. And I think sometimes we come into church and we've had a great experience or we even read what the family of God is supposed to be like. And so we have these ideals and these expectations that are honestly even good and they're true and they're right. It's not even like they're totally wrong. But when I hold those ideals up as a standard by which I judge, everything that's happening, and the, in that moment, as soon as they don't happen, I think the enemy comes and he jumps all over it in, in an attempt to wound and isolate us. What he wanted to do in that situation was get me to believe for the rest of my life that I could never be a part of the friends I wanted to be a part of. I could never have a good relationship. I was never gonna have a girlfriend, right? That's what he wanted me to believe. That was the trap. And, and I feel like the Lord was right there going, it's not true, <laughs> right? So sometimes we come into this messy church family thing and we need the Lord to go, stop, <laughs> like, right? Look, I'm gonna open your eyes to what you do have, not what's not happening. So um, Bonifer puts it in really stark terms that kind of, um, but he says this, those who love their dream of a Christian community more than the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. Isn't that intense? Now, like I was saying, I'm, I'm not saying that there are not signs of a healthy community or values worth fighting for. There are right? There are signs of unhealthy community that you might need to remove yourself from at some point in life. So we're not saying like, <laughs> you know, you know, just stick with it, even if you're in a terrible place, not at all. But I think this hit me so hard with the fact that I need to temper my expectation with the reality that healthy everyday life and community actually isn't euphoric or like, exciting every moment. It's not glamorous and easy or fun every moment. In fact, deep connections, true healthy family has to be forged and it must endure very boring, normal, and even trying seasons. 
It's got to. And we all kind of know that, right? Like when you hear that, you're like, oh yeah. But when we're walking through it, sometimes normal stretching and mundane is like, please get me as far away from that as I can. Because I live in an instant social media world where I feel like everything's supposed to be glamorous. Everything's supposed to be well presented. Everything's supposed to be put together. So maybe if this isn't, and this is stretching and boring and normal, that I'm not doing something right. Or the people around me aren't doing something right. Or heaven forbid, God himself isn't doing something right. Um, But here's what he says happens. This is what Jesus has done for us. This is Ephesians 2. In verse 14, it says, our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ by dying as our sacrifice. He has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Skipping forward to verse 19, it says, So you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones, with all the rights as family members of the household of God. You are rising like perfectly fitted stones of the temple, and your lives are being built together upon the ideal foundation laid by the prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. This entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as a holy temple of the Lord himself. This means God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. Do you know that there comes a day that we will be presented perfect before Christ? It seems impossible, but actually he's at work moving and maneuvering through our lives, through the mundane, through the normal things, because he's looking at Revive going, I'm planning on a perfect family. I'm planning on a flawless one. And I'm going to change them moment by moment and step by step and action by action and exchange by exchange. And, And they're going to be presented holy and beautiful and blameless, right? Like, that's what he's done, but I love this. In verse 21, it says, this entire building is under construction. And I just think, I want to put a sign over everything we do right now, because we got downtown, and we got Bitterroot, and we're, like, getting things in order here, and we're making ground, you guys. Like, we are making ground that we are excited about. But if I could just hold a sign that said, this entire building is under construction, I think I would, because sometimes, man, we go through stuff, and we're like, okay, what do we need to do next, and how are we going to build that? And construction is dusty, right? You can't come out of construction clean. You can't, right? Everybody's pounded nails and sawing things and there's wood chips and there's, you know, and then, and then you try and get that cleaned up and then you're laying carpet and you're throwing up, well, that was last. You're throwing up sheetrock and you're, you're painting and all of this stuff. You don't come out of that process clean. And you probably don't come out of that process not getting a little frustrated with your neighbor, right? Like, I was just happily pounding nails with you. <laughs> you know, construction is tough, right? And it's tricky. But I love that picture that he paints is, look, Jesus has done it. He is our reconciling piece. He has unified us as one. You don't have to do it. You don't have to make it happen. He's already done it. But we're under construction, <laughs> right? We're in the working out of what he's already done. 
we're, we're, we're making it happen with each other, even though he's already done it. So when my definition of healthy community or unity rests on what I said at the very beginning, which was like deep connection and having dinners with people and serving and never feeling like I have to prove myself. When, when my definition of unity rests on that, and I hold that up, like I was saying earlier, then, then I am left to ride the roller coaster of my emotions and my needs being met. And I, I surely will despair when it comes to having hope for community and what Christ is doing in us. But when I elevate, Jesus Christ is our reconciling peace. This is what he's done. This is who he is. This is what's unchanging no matter how I feel, no matter how I got taken care of today or tomorrow or the next day or how things are working out. This is what I'm holding on to because it's true. Then what happens is I anchor myself in to a hope that does not waver when things don't look like I thought they would. And I myself position myself to persevere in community, to persevere when the, the church family isn't the ideal that I hoped for, right? Or, or that, I, that I thought would happen, or, or when I got hurt. I'm talking about anchoring yourself into something. Bonifer calls it that ideal. He, li- he likes to call it a wish dream, which I think is um, a really great way to put it. It's kind of like, I have this ideal, I kind of wish, like I, I hope this happens. Um, but but uh, he says, what do we got? Okay, cool, leave that there. So, so, so he talks about that and I was thinking about, I was trying to think of which story to tell, but I was thinking about how um, you can't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I would tend to propose that you cannot go into parenting without wish dreams. Like, <laughs> I mean, this is just my guess. At this point, I don't really know how you make it in with a completely realistic expectation. Because <laughs> you, you might not have children, <laughs> right? I think you love them and you're like, yes, like let's have kids. But then the working out of it happens. So one day Haven was not, she's only a few weeks old at this point, and Carla Squires came over and Deb Fink came over and they were talking to me and we were just having a good time and then they, they look at me and they go, so, like, like, how is it going really? And I burst into tears, and I tell them, I am more convinced than ever that I love Ben. He's so amazing. He's been so great. I'm really worried that I don't love Haven. <laughs> and, and I was like, is this normal? Am I a terrible human? Can I tell anyone this? <laughs> like, how do you be like, I just had a human that I don't know if I love, you know? And, um, and they just smiled and were so encouraging, you know, and said, hey, like, this is normal. Some of it's hormones, <laughs> you know, and really taught me through it. But this is one thing that Carla just explained to me that has really anchored me. Talk about anchoring to truth. And she explained to me parental love versus romantic love. And, and, when I, I, I fell in love with Ben, I grew in love with Ben, but there are days I just still fall, and I'm like, you're just, oh, like you're just so cool. And then there are very normal days too, you know, right? Like we all endure. But, but, <laughs> there, <laughs> I never endure a day with you, babe. Never. Um, okay, but, 
then she helped, she helped paint this picture to me of parental love. And she said, with parental love, I feel like you're consistent is this, just this deep abiding truth that you would lay down your life for that child. But it's more rare or more the exception that you go, <gasps> right? Like they, they're the, she said, she, she helped explain, those moments happen, but they're not what sustains you as a parent. As a parent, you just know there's something in you that's like, I bore that, and she looked at me and she said, would you throw yourself in front of a train? And I was like, well, of course. But it's because I made her and I feel like I should keep her alive. <laughs> not because I have any romantic feelings about her. She was like, I guarantee you, you would go, Ben can save himself, I've gotta get Haven. Because you know, it's different. It's a different kind of love. Something would well up in you. And I think if I had, had missed that, I would have kept putting parenting into this wish dream category of romantic love, of I'm supposed to have all of these feelings. And Haven and I would have missed out enjoying so many moments of normal parental love, A, or I would just hate myself for not loving her the way I thought I was supposed to. Do you know what I'm like? So it was this miss, I didn't quite understand what it would look like. I had this idea that had to be adjusted that had to be molded and shaped a little bit different so that I could thrive as a mom, so that I could understand what my role was with her and what her role was with me. And that's how it is with the family of God. So this is what Bonifer says, only God knows the real condition of either our community or our sanctification. What may appear as weak and insignificant to us may be great and glorious to God. If we do not give thanks daily for the Christian community in which we have been placed, even when there are no great experiences, no noticeable riches, but much weakness, difficulty, and little faith, we hinder God from letting our community grow according to the measure and riches that are there for us all in Christ Jesus. I just don't see with his eyes right? Like, I just don't. Even at my best, I just don't quite see with his eyes. But get this, in God's eyes, he could be looking down and going, that crazy family in Missoula is one of my favorites. I love the way they do this, and I love the way they do this, and I love the way that they do this. And we might be obscure, we might be small, and, and like Josh said, truly at the ends of the earth, right? That might be us, but we don't know what he looks at and how he sees it, right? We don't know what he's honoring and what he's going, man, I, I just love that. So I wanna come in with this awe, like I was saying, of getting to be the part of the church, with these hopes and, and these ideals. I wanna remember that I'm part of a glorious thing that's meant to be an invitation to the world, right? I wanna, I wanna remember that and go for it. But at the same time, I wanna surrender my perspective of what it's gonna look like, right? My ideals and my wish dreams and go, God, just teach me how to love. Teach me how to walk this out. Because just because it's glorious doesn't mean it's not gonna be messy. Doesn't mean we're not gonna have to have hard conversations or, or do tough things. Doesn't mean that we're not under construction, right? 
So what are some of the ways that we do this? I just want to dive into a few things. As we, as we fight to keep this bond of peace that Jesus has purchased for us, right? As we fight to walk it out, the under construction process. One um, is uh, Brene Brown talks about this. It's called Minding the Gap in her book, Daring Greatly. And I love this picture. So um, Minding the Gap in Europe. I don't know if you've been to Europe, but um, they, uh, they have the trains, right? And the, the cement platform. And then typically there's a guy or a lady. When I was there, it was a lady that goes, Mind the Gap. Mind the gap. And if you're an American, you're like, sorry, I was gonna rhyme with it. You're like, what the heck? You know, you're like, okay, the gap is this drop off between the ledge and the train. And if you jump into it, it's, I mean, it's pretty deep, right? You're gonna fall. So you have to just step over the gap. That's all it is. So what she explains is minding the gap, you can see it up there, is taking an honest look at the space between where we're actually standing and where we want to be standing. It's paying attention to our practiced values, what we're actually doing and feeling and thinking versus our aspirational values, which is what we want to do, think, and feel, right? So Josh talks about this. I don't know if he said it a lot up front, but uh, he says that, that, so I tend to assess Josh by his actions, right? because that's my only perspective of, of him. I tend to assess myself by my intentions, right? I meant to do that. That was my heart in the situation, right? Like, that was my, shoot, I didn't get that done, but I didn't mean to not get it done, <laughs> right? Like, I'm assessing myself based off of my intentions because my intentions are actually my most true reality. They are. So when we mind the gap, I have to step back and go, what are my intentions? And what am I actually doing, saying, and executing in my life? And then as I assess our values as a church, who I want to be in my family and in this church family, and I, I look at those things and I go, where am I standing versus where I want to be? Then I can start to ask the tough questions that go, what do I need to do to mind the gap, to step from here to here? Sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it might be a little more, more tough or more painful. Um, but it's so key that, that we can effectively do that. Now, I want to give one quick disclaimer here, and that is that you can only mind the gap from a place of total acceptance. If you start asking yourself all these questions of how can I do it better and what can I do here, it's the quickest way to get right back into works, right? And I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to make this happen, I got to be this person, I got to do all these things, right? But if we can stay in the place of I am loved, I am accepted, I am chosen by the Lord, and from there begin to accept, assess where we need to make steps, growth happens. Growth happens well. Um, so I want to skip um, all the way down, Avery, to um, family over business. I think it's maybe just two more slides. So as I'm assessing, I just wanted to throw out probably three, we'll see where we get to, just values that, that we want to function from as a family that we really want to go for, that these are things that I'm going to go, these are my desired values. So now as I share these things, you can look and go, okay, where am I really? And what steps do I need to take to end up there? The first is that we value family over business, right? So sometimes in Banning's message, he talked about how we unknowingly show up to church like it's a restaurant instead of going home for Thanksgiving dinner. And at a restaurant, I'm sort of like, 
Do I like what's on the menu? Did they like serve me quickly? You know, and that's not weird. That's really normal, right? Did it come out? Am I gonna give them a good review? When you go home for Thanksgiving dinner, you are like, his, uh, his scenario is from the first day he went home with his wife, they said, here's the potato peeler. And he now has a really, really good potato peeler that he brings because they have a huge Thanksgiving and it hasn't changed. He peels the potatoes. So he gets there, he's like, I'm here to peel my potatoes. Give me the sack of sweet potatoes and give me the sack of white potatoes. Like, we're going for this. And he, uh, he peels up his potatoes and um, this is what he said. He said, I do not have a passion or vision for potatoes. I don't. I don't care about them. No one even thanks me when they're done. They thank the lady who had the recipe. But I do have a passion for family. And because I love my family and I love getting together, I peel potatoes. And I thought that was so good because we love our family. We do things that we're like, could or couldn't, you know, no, like I don't have to. I, you know, we don't show up and go, this is my dream. How are you gonna make it happen? We go, I'm, what do you need? Do you need a potato peeler? Do you, do you need someone to, to, to clean the bathrooms? Do you need someone to do some grounds care? Do we need extra people and kids, right? I just kinda go, I'll peel some potatoes because I'm passionate about family. I'm passionate about seeing people raised up, right? Um, so. I wanted to say this for us, when family branches out, which is what we're doing, we have extra congregations, we have to remember we're not losing family, we're multiplying, we're growing. But the one side effect of that is you do have to be intentional. Growth demands intentionality with each other. So as family that aren't showing up to be served at dinner, but we're showing up to do Thanksgiving dinner together, let's help at each other's work parties. Right? If you're going, man, I, I wanna, I'm gonna miss Bitterroot, I wanna see him. Well, go down on Saturday the 17th and, and hang out and help. Go to extra events that, that they're gonna have. Right? We're gonna, we'll have each other's calendars accessible so you can go hang out for something extra and go, I just wanted to check in on you because I love you guys and I'm here and we wanna hang out. We're gonna serve each other, right? Come here on the 18th, come after church. We're gonna have food and just be ready to give a couple hours to hanging out together and cleaning up the place, right? Another thing we can do is invite people over for dinner, regardless of location, right? Like regardless of whether it's across locations or within locations, have people over. Or if you don't have a house, grab coffee. Do, do, go to a park in the summer, right? Get together, but get deeper in each other's lives with some good questions. Not just surfacey stuff, but like actively listen and ask people about their story, about their passions. Let's help each other with our needs as much as we can. I think a huge one is even praying for each other. I've realized like the more and more I go, like the less apt I am to pray for someone after having them over if they're having a hard time. And I've just thought, why would I ever feel awkward about praying with a brother or a sister? That should be normal. That should be something we do all the time. Hey, let's pray about it. Let me pray for you. We're gonna lift this up to the Lord. Um, and this one's huge. I need to learn this. Have margin in your life for those relational slash serving detours, right? Hey, this came up. Can you talk? Maybe, mm, you know, I don't, I don't wanna do that. And I know we can't stop everything all the time for everyone, but I wanna be better at having margin in my life for, for when there's a, a relational detour that's not a detour at all, it's God. 
It's God helping us be family. The next thing that we value is maturity over position. Banning said when he talked about peeling potatoes, there is no leadership ladder in family. The potato peeler is not vying for the turkey cutter's position. (laughs) Right? You're not looking over there going, oh, man, you know, she got to cook the cranberry sauce. Well, I don't even know if you cook cranberry sauce. I've never done it. So hopefully you do. Uh, Anyhow, right? Like you don't vie for each other's positions when you're all making the food. You, You don't. Um, you, the whole point is that you grow up in maturity. And I have really bad news. You cannot attend family. You can only be part of it. Right? You can attend, please don't take that wrong, you can attend services here to figure out if you should be part of our family. That's really great and really, really important. But once you're in, you're, you're in. And you're, you're making turkey dinner together, right? When we don't embrace that process of maturity, we miss out on forgiveness, on hard conversations, on growing through reconciliation, on being silly together, right? On making memories together. I, I know I'm deeper friends with people because of silly things and hard things. They don't seem important, but they are. They really, really are. Um, so, so this really struck me, and that is that we need to pray to be a healthy family as much as we pray for revival. How much passion do we put into, God bring revival, God bring revival, and thinking that needs to be a prayer point, but God loves to place immature kids in healthy family. That's what new baby Christians are. And it's not weird if you're immature in the context of family. Haven is immature. She really thinks life is all about her. I'm not, actually, I am offended by that sometimes, let's be real, but I'm not truly overall in life offended by that. She's little, she's, she's supposed to be immature. What would be weird is if she stopped growing, right? That would be weird. If she stayed the same size for the whole next year, I would be like, I know Thomas's are short, but this is a problem, <laughs> right? Like, we gotta grow, right? It's, if, if you stagnate in your relationship with the Lord and, and no one asks you about that, or like, like we're not growing together, that shouldn't be normal in our walk. But sometimes those tough things are hard. They're hard to talk about. I don't wanna, hey, Stacy, <laughs> I was just wondering about this. You know, like it's hard. But we need to learn to do that in family because maturity is important. We need to learn to go to each other and, and even confess sins to each other and say, hey, pray for me. Hold me accountable here, because that's family life together. Okay, um, so for that one, the best way I know to do that is get in a community group. If you don't have one, if, you, if, you're, if, you, if one doesn't work for you, and you're like, I'm not sure where this all works, lead a community group. You can't just like randomly be like, hey, I'm leading one, but you can come to us and say, hey, I want to lead a community group. For this, I see this demographic, they need one, and then we don't have one for them right now. Can I do it? And we'll get you trained, we'll get you equipped, right? So, so start building community yourself or join it, one or the other. Last one, personal responsibility over external motivation. This one's tough, I blame, ban- blame Banning for all of it. Or me, just don't blame Josh. Um, this is what it says, we disciple, serve, and build community because we are believers, not because someone got paid to do it. It is a tricky, tricky dynamic we live in and that a few of us are hired here at church to to try and help serve the body and obviously 
being good like employees, we wanna do our jobs well, right? That's important. So I'm not saying this so we can flit around and not do anything, but I am saying as a church and as a family, we need to live like I'm doing this because I'm a believer alongside my fellow believer, not you should do it because you're paid or, or I'm not paid, right? So, so the questions that he asked is, am I expecting church to make me feel like I'm in community, like I feed the poor, like I do the work of the ministry, or am I showing up to roll up my sleeves and be community, feed the poor, and do the work of the ministry? Am I expecting church to build something for me that accomplishes my Christian life and makes me feel good about everything my church is doing? Or am I showing up to join them and do it? See, we, we don't have to convince you from the front that we're doing something good if you're a part of it with us. If we're, if we're doing it together, we already know. We already know we're doing something awesome, right? And I, and I know that that's like, that can be kind of a tough one, um, so that's why I blame him for it, but he said it, so I'm just quoting it. And, um, and I think we wanna run with that. We wanna run with that, and as we do it, it's not about obligation or, or so I hope certainly not manipulation, but we have these ministries that we want people to serve in and run with and roll up our sleeves and, and do this together, and I think what's so exciting is as we do that, as we switch from attender to I'm in this with you and we're part of this together, I myself become more passionate and more connected. Like I myself get in like a I get more excited and I'm more connected to what we're doing. Like when, when I, like with my family, you know sometimes I get really frustrated and annoyed like by family, you just do, we all do, right? But the moment you start talking bad about my family, I'm like, what you doing? That's my family, right? Those are my people. And I feel like it's kind of like that with church. We might rub wrong or have some tough crosses or whatever, but when you're in it, I do, I get like that. I mean, we've had lots of highs and lows, and, and by all means, I've been a party pooper about Clark Fork slash Revive sometimes. And like, and then, and then it like, even if Ben starts to echo me sometimes, I'm like, why would you say that? You know, and he's like, well, that's what you were saying. I'm like, but you can't. It's my church. I was like born into that thing, you know? But that's how we should all feel with some balance. But, you know, maybe not the cry baby part two, but right, that's how we should all feel. That's how, that's how it should go. Um, so I wanna wrap up and just send us out to have some snacks and hang out together. My last one, won't expound on it, but I do think it's a good one to chew on, is that we just value diversity over being the cool kids. We don't have to be the coolest, the coolest church in Missoula. Um, and, and, and we're not holding that as the highest, that we're the trendiest or that we're the most well-known. Um, we wanna be a people where, where people are free to come and feel at home, and I'm gonna honor that and hold that up. So here is what we're fighting for. Um, I'm just gonna actually recap it a little bit. Ephesians 4, one through six, this is what Jesus is saying. So we started with, he's already purchased this unity, and then he's ending over here with saying, guys, I, I plead with you as a prisoner of the Lord, walk this out, live holy, right? Give, give everything to this honor each other with humility, love each other, keep the bond of unity. So he's making this plea of, look, I've already purchased it, but I'm leaving for you guys to walk it out. Right, You're, we're gonna walk it out. And what Paul is saying is, guys, this is a weighty thing because the world is supposed to look at us and see a love that isn't, that's so diverse, that's so beyond natural human power 
that, that is incomparable to anything else. And, and their perception of that does ride and fall on how we all walk it out, right? God can still intervene and touch people's lives, but he's saying, you're meant to be the holy revelation of the family of God being one together. So as we head out, I just want you to think about how can I be making unselfish and sacrificial commitments to my brothers and sisters in Christ and to this church, right? How, how can I be doing that as part of the family while also not putting it on someone specifically to be my salvation? I don't wanna look at Suzanne and go, will you be my mentor because I want you to fix everything in my life. That would be great. Jesus does that. Um, we're gonna just have snacks and um, we want, there's ministries lining both sides of the hallways like Josh said. Um, there is Team Revive, which is a lot of our Sunday stuff, plus some grounds and cleanup. There is Encounter Weekend, there's Outreach, there's Worship, there's Kids, there's Youth, there's Revival A and Junior High. In all of those areas, we are looking for people who wanna get on board and say, hey, I, I could do that, or even just I'm interested. So go out there, grab some snacks. Leaders are gonna be at tables and you can just ask them questions and we've got a few options. There's cards if you need to go really fast. There's actually your connection card. You can just sign up on your connection card right now and go, here's my name, this is what I'm interested in. If you don't need to go fast and you can hang out, um, there's other cards out there and you can actually try a few areas that, like, that you're not, if you're not sure, maybe circle whatever's interesting to you, two, four, and we're gonna get you scheduled with Cameron actually to go serve in those areas, um, and then after that, touch base with you and go, hey, what felt, like what was a fit? Where did your passions intersect with what we need and how we build things here? Um, or if you already know, just pick one or two areas and serve in those. Um, and if, yeah, like you can all, even I think there's a box that was like, I do wanna help I just don't know where all this works together. And we'll just call you and talk with you one-on-one -on -one if being out there and all the crazy is gonna be a little overwhelming. So that's all I have. Um, if Josh asks you to come up for prayer uh, for some of the teams that are going out mission-wise, please come up. If you have any prayer needs, our ministry team is gonna be up here. But for the rest of us, let's go out and hang out, have a good time, and I hope lots of you guys find ways to get connected and dive into some family life here. Thanks a bunch, guys. You were steadfast, never failing.